0: In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you to the band. Got a steel player today. All right. Today's the second sermon in a sermon series that we started last week. Uh, Kenan preached last week and we talked about uh, it's not your table. That word that Tom Shipp, the pastor of this church for 31 years, heard ringing in his ear. Um, And I believe that uh, that ringing is what formed this church to be the kind of church that we experience even today, some 70 plus years later. This sermon series is hopefully going to talk about who we are now and our vision for where we are going based on where we have been and our history. And hopefully you'll hear, those of you who are members, an inspiring word will cause you to want to re-up, cause you to want to uh, invite people into this fellowship. And for those of you who are visiting, I hope that you'll hear us say, We need you here. We want you here. We want you to be a part of 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 engaging in the mission of loving all people in the relationship with Jesus or the slogan you're going to be hearing more and more about loving all loving all today we're going to be looking at John's uh, revelation the 7th chapter a beautiful vision that John had for not just the early church the church that was being persecuted day in and day out but it was meant to be for a church that was coming A church that would be facing the kinds of divisions we face in the world today. The kinds of separation that we face in the world today. The kinds of us and them that we face in the world today. And give us a vision of what the church is called to be about. And an understanding, prophetically, of where we're going. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation, the 7th chapter. You can see it on the screen. Let's stand out of respect for God's holy word and let's read this, this text. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, sometimes I think the church has forgotten this particular vision or have dismissed this vision as being just a vision for a heaven, a, a time after. And, and yet we pray, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Where? earth as it is in heaven. You know the the church has no room nor should we ever have a vision to be homogenous. You know in the 1950s and the 1960s There was a movement in the church, an evangelistic movement, called the Church Growth Movement. And the Church Growth Movement um, had lots of principles, but one of the principles said that churches can only grow with like people. In other words, people will not grow um, or come to a church where there are people who are different than they are. So start churches in neighborhoods where everybody looks alike, where everybody votes alike, where everybody drives the same kinds of cars, where they have the same kinds of houses. And those are churches that will grow. These neighborhood churches of people who look alike. Because society, culture, it was touted, doesn't like to be with people who are different. And oh, wasn't that true in the 50s and 60s? And oh, isn't that true some places today now, the irony is a lot, of ba- a lot of Bible churches bought into this principle. And ironically, there is nothing biblical about such an approach. Homogeny has no place. In the vision of God's kingdom What John uplifts is the vision of God's kingdom The vision of the one Jesus who went to the Samaritans And the tax collectors And the women And the the sick And the lame And others that people would say were unclean, unworthy Jesus said they're children of God And we're all part of this bigger vision A great multitude that no one can count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with with palm branches, symbols of peace, in their hands. Now, friends, I don't want to be responsible as your pastor, and I know Kenan doesn't either, um, for y'all to get to heaven and be shocked when you look around and not everybody looks alike. We want to get you ready for that. Because it's not heaven's not going to be like that, you know it? And if the church isn't practicing heaven here, then we're likely to be a little shocked and have to get used to it there. And I want us to get used to it here. Because that's what God's called us to. That's what John, the the, the prophetic vision of John is all about, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is diverse. It's a diverse kingdom and community. And we're called to passionately engage the Bible, as we say, to uplift Jesus in worship and also loving service and to challenge in love that which divides. You know, until we are able to immerse ourselves in the lives and the worlds of others, we'll never be able to understand their joys and their fears, loves and hatreds, contentment and yearnings, And we'll never be able to understand the heart of Jesus. Unless we break out of what pulls us into likeness and separateness and division. Into the kingdom of God vision that Jesus has cast before John. And John put it in such vivid language. John got it and he gave the image of nations and tribes and languages coming together. Living together is something the church not only should practice but living together is what we need to be teaching our children in the home. Living together needs to be our mark. We don't all have to look alike, we don't all have to act alike, we don't all have to uh, vote alike, we don't all have to believe alike But, but church, the church has to love alike, love like Jesus. And that's what's so beautiful about the church is we come in here in the midst of all of our differences and we just love each other through those differences. That's what we're called to be about. You know, in 1960, Lovers Lane was, was thriving, its staff was increasing, its congregation was growing. In Dallas County, between 1950 and 1960, the Methodist church in Dallas County grew by 97%. And Lover's Lane was the third largest growth church by profession of faith in all of Methodism throughout the world. This church. This church that like last week we talked about was bold enough and courageous enough to do the unthinkable and to open the door to those who were struggling with alcoholism and not call them drunks but see them as children of God to come into this church to be welcome. The country in the 50s and 60s, think about it. The country was divided. It was divided in segregation was um, what was being challenged, and the civil rights um, uh, legislation was 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 not even really on the table yet. It was so divided in Dallas. There were whites only water fountains and coloreds only water fountains. Can you imagine? Yes, you can. We don't have the signs today. But we still have the divisions. People were discouraged from social interaction. Public schools were segregated. Kids, little kids needed to learn separately. How can you ever learn to love together if you're learning separately? The church, on the other hand, was segregated too by choice. No law restricted the church, really. From desegregation and from a Christ principle of life together. But choice. It was said about the United States, still is, that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Now during the week of September 1961, The chaplain at Baylor Hospital called Tom Shipp who was pastor for 31 years and said, Pastor, there's a woman you prayed with you may not even remember but she came to Christ and she wants to join your church and you have a problem. He said, what's the problem? And the chaplain says, she's a Negro. That's the problem. And Tom thought about it did you know in the Methodist Church the pastor ultimately has the responsibility of saying who's in and who's out whoa I feel powerful but really somebody has to be in charge of that right we don't vote on membership and Tom thought about this particular issue. Here was his thought process. He said, I've been pastor of the church for 20 years and I have never once put the, the, the admittance of a member of the church in the hands of the congregation to vote in or out. And I'm not going to start. So Miss Bernice Jones on September the 10th, 1961... Joined the church. Came right down the center aisle. Joined the church. Bishop William C. Martin said that this was the first black member of a white congregation in the Dallas-Fort Worth area making Lovers Lane probably the first integrated Methodist church in the United States of America. Don't know about that. But you know how Texas bishops brag. Mrs. Olive Smith, then the director of Christian education, said there was not one bit of feeling of superiority or the sense that we, he was doing something magnanimous. Just this normal procedure of receiving new members and thank goodness when Ms. Jones walked the aisle there were people who came up afterwards and shook her hand and welcomed her in. Because It was said that 300 people walked out as she walked up. And yet the newspapers all across the country were printing that Lovers Lane Methodist Church in Dallas has integrated. One African-American woman came into church by accepting a Negro woman into its membership. And the night before Ms. Jones joined the church, D. Ship. Tom's wife said to him, are you tough enough to take it? Because it's going to get tough. I was with a pastor last night who was Tom's associate here for the better part of 20 years. He said Tom told him he got several death threats after Miss Jones joined the church. And here's what Tom said to his wife. He said, I cannot serve a church that does not have its doors open to all people. I will resign if I'm not tough enough to take it. But I cannot serve a church that is just for certain people. That's not what the Christian faith is all about. And that's not what this church was built on. If someone comes and says that he or she wants to be a member of this church, a part of this church... And that he or she believes in God and wants to worship here, as long as I am the pastor of this church, anybody is welcome. That's your history, Lovers Lane. This isn't just a new thing that Copeland came up with. This is our history. Our history is Tom like to say is to be a church that like Zacchaeus is up a tree and out on a limb. The church is no place for safety and non-riskers. The church is meant to be different and to stand in the face of a culture that would separate and say all are welcome. We even need to challenge the Methodist church if they go so far as to get sucked into a culture of separation. Because that's not who we were born to be. You know, the great majority of Lovers Lane members supported their pastor. He got telegrams from all over the country. I even read one that he got from missionaries in Bolivia who'd gotten word that guess what Lovers Lane's done now? Here's one of the letters. Dear Reverend Ship, I cried this morning. Just like I cried one Sunday back in March of 1958 at the first sight of our new sanctuary when we dedicated it. Then because of the beauty of the structure. This morning I cried because of the joy in seeing the bricks and the wood become a living symbol to God's love of all people. You made the structure possible, but this morning you created a house of God with God's help and gave the beauty depth and meaning. I feel oh so small a part of your big congregation, but this morning I felt big because ours is the first church to make God's creed a reality in this city. We pray God will give you wisdom to use your energy wisely so that you may have strength always to make big decisions. We pray, too, that God will give more men, first, enough backbone to find the best to believe in, and then, second, the guts to stand for Christ's principles. Whoa, she's preaching. And I'm sure God chose you because He knew you would have plenty of both. Backbone and guts when the test came. Thank you for being a moving, acting, genuine, spiritual testimony. The writer referred to Christ's principles that not only Tom was about, but the congregation had embraced. Tom couldn't have done this on his own. Hundreds, even thousands of members of this church said, I know we're doing kind of some weird stuff here, but we're in. We're in. We're in. And guess what? Some people didn't like it at all. It was said that 20 families withdrew membership from the church. There may have been even more that kind of slipped away. But one family wrote this. It is with deep and heartfelt regret, indeed grief, that this family realizes it is forced to make the decision to terminate its membership in its church. This is not an easy thing to do after 15 years, and particularly the 15 years during which the church grew from a borrowed gymnasium into its present beautiful home. It's difficult to face the fact that in spite of the repeated statements that Lovers Lane was not your church, Tom, but our church, that you would see fit to make a decision of such magnitude with complete secrecy and without consulting a single layman to whom the church, according to your repeated assurances, belongs. Man, I love letters like this. We must, therefore, submit our resignation as the Sunday school secretary As the leader of the Women's Society of Christian Service Circle and usher and cancel our pledge. A request will be made for a transfer to our membership, of our membership, as soon as we've decided on a new church home, which we are now seeking. Kindest regards. No, not really. (laughs) You know, preachers hate to get letters like that hurts that guy left and 19 other fellows' families left too but by the end of that year 610 people had joined lovers lane making it the largest membership growth year in the church's history you know what that says to me you just have to follow the vision and the call if God has cast the vision and made the call, who are you to question whether it's safety or not? There's nothing about faith that's meant to be easy or safe. Every pastor knows the experience of losing members, and some just slip away in the night, and sometimes it's quite divisive the way people split from the church, and... Sometimes people say, and I know what they mean, well, we're just feeling called to a more neighborhood church. And believe me, as this church has become more diverse over the past few years, I've gotten a few of those letters. But the people who come and join us are saying, we believe in the mission and the vision of this church and we don't see it in other places, and we want it to be the main thing with our family, in our home, in our community. I dare say that the saddest letter that Tom Ship ever received, he received a few months after Mr. Ms. Jones joined the church. The letter said, Dear Mr. Shipp, and members of Lovers Lane, Methodist Church of Dallas. I wish to thank all of you who has been so nice about the Lord sending me there. I had hoped to make a good member and to work in the church wherever I could. I came to your church to do the Lord uh, as the Lord would see fit. And I just found the Lord about eight weeks ago at Baylor Hospital and I told him that if he let me get well and come home to my children, I would work for him. And all I know to do now is just pray and to ask the Lord to make me stronger. Mr. Ship, you are a God-sent man. And I wanted to work for you and for all of us, but it looks like Satan is so busy. I will move out just as soon as I can get well enough to move on. Dr. Ship, I will pray for you as long as I live. Please try to save someone else and help them just as you did me. Maybe if I was not so sick, I, I could stand it better, but I just can't. Please pray for me. I will be calling you sometime. I love all of you. This is hard for me to write because I still want to be one of you. I pray you can smooth things over for the sake for your sake and mine. Thank you all. Love, Miss Bernice Jones. By accepting her into the membership of the church, though it just wasn't time. For that church to realize a vision of being an integrated congregation. Fast forward some 50 years later. The time changed. And this church started living into a vision that we didn't come up with. It was an innate part of who we were. We just opened the doors a little bit wider. And God started sending us all kinds of people. From all over the world, from many different cultures, different sexual orientations, different socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, I've said this before, most people who come into this church come by profession of faith. They don't transfer from another Methodist church. In fact, the, the lowest statistic of people joining this church is from other Methodist churches. It's mainly people who come who were refugees. Either refugees in their country or refugees from the church. Have you ever known anybody who's been a refugee from the church? Some of you have been kicked out of a church. Receiving members into the church where all are welcome, is Christ's call on us. A call that this church has been about for 70 plus years. First, it was people who had um, issues with alcohol and their behavior led them into acts that were dangerous and destructive. And So may we always be a church that helps people deal with, with such destructive behavior. And then it became people who were oriented differently. Their their skin color, which was not of their choosing, but of God's making them beautiful like that. And the orientation of their culture. And where the world would say, No, no, if you want to grow, you can't grow with people who aren't like you. John said, don't believe it. For the kingdom of God is made up of all nations and all tribes and all languages. And the churches that get it and practice that are living into God's vision of the church. May God help us, Lover's Lane, to extend the welcome. Not to say how good we are because we desire to be diverse but to say how good God is that God would raise us above these things that cause us to be divided and to grow our love for one another. It's easy to love people who are just like you. Sometimes, sometimes they're not. It's God's will that we learn to love all sisters and brothers amen well that's a, that's such a great word pastor stan thank you so much aren't we glad to be in-